Welcome to Momentum Church. I want to talk a little bit today um, to dads, obviously, specifically, but I want to start back to last week. Last Monday night, I was at Buffalo's. How many like the restaurant Buffalo's? Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't go there for like a year and a half. I didn't. The minute the church go and do wing night, I'm like, guys, I love you, but I'm not going. You don't take an alcoholic to a bar. You know what I'm saying? And so when I was struggling with my food addiction, I was like, nope, 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 not going to do it. But I conquered that. Come on, somebody. Yeah, so, so I love it now. It's awesome. I don't get the wings, but I love it. It's so good. And so we were there with a couple guys from staff last week. And um, when we got ready to leave, um, we were going out, and Jared and Pastor Brian, Pastor Jared, they, they went out the front. I had to go to the bathroom, so I turned left, told the guys bye. As I'm starting to go up the hallway, I hear a commotion. My head's down, but I can hear, like, scuffle of feet, door slam. I, I just thought, man, somebody's really got to go to the bathroom. So I get to the end, I go to push the door, and it won't open. It's stuck. And I've been in that bathroom before. I, there's no lock. I mean, it's a big bathroom, and it's stuck. And so I push a little harder, and then I push a little harder. And when I do, the 20-year-old, something-year-old young man, about 20, early 20-year-old young man, pushes away from the door and looks a little perturbed at me that I was interrupting his game, you know. And so I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown-butt man. I don't need this. And so I go ahead and go in the urinal, and I go to the bathroom, because they were using, one kid was using the, st- the, 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 no, I go to the stall. One kid was using the urinal, and I'm in the restroom and stuff, and they're just cutting up, and, you know, just being typical young kids. I get it, you know, but early 20-somethings, I figure. And all of a sudden, a wet paper towel comes flying over and lands right in the toilet. It didn't hit me, it'd been, but it landed in the toilet. And my first thought was, I'm going to jerk somebody's chain. You know what I mean? Like, it just, ooh. And I'll be honest, I really do believe 30-year-old Ross would have probably tried to jerk somebody's chain. But 50-year-old Ross, can I just be honest with you guys? Listen, I feel more like a father now than I've ever felt. And I don't mean just a father to my kids. I feel like a spiritual father. I feel like I'm the father of this house. Come on, somebody. I do. I do. I feel like, like, like I'm not saying y'all are my kids. I mean, most of you my age are older, but I'm just, I feel that. There's just a sense of, I, I, how many guys get older, you feel like that? You know what I mean? Who's your daddy, baby? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, but <laughs> I can't get past that. Um, but <laughs> uh, my, my face is getting red. I can feel it getting hot. And so, as soon as that happens, obviously, I run out. And, if, and as I'm running out, I'm, I'm angry, but I'm more upset because I know the value in this kid. And for him to act that way devalues himself. And so I go out, and I thought they'd ran outside, and I look out, and Brian and Jared are still talking, and so, nope, not outside. I walk back in, and sitting right in the middle of the restaurant is this group of people, um, all the women that were there, the middle-aged people were women, there was not a daddy at the table, and there was a bunch of young people, both boys and girls, or young men and young women, and here's the 20-year-old guy looking at me, and the other kid had his head down, he wouldn't look up. I kind of thought he might have been the one that threw the paper. I don't know, but he just kept his head down. And I walked up and said, excuse me. 
And the kid looked at me, and you could tell with his eyes, like he thought, I'm going to come ugly. You know what I'm saying? Here's this guy going to come ugly. And, and I just looked at him. I said, can I tell you something, young man? I go, you are better than that. And he goes, what do you mean? I, I said, you're better than that. I, I, I was in the bathroom. You threw the towel over top. I, guys, listen, you're just better than that. I see who you are. There's quality in you. You're a quality young man. God has plans for you and hopes for you. And you're better than that. And, and he was like, you know, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm, I know you're a man. I can tell. He's, I'm 20. I'm, I get it. I'm a grown man. I, but listen, I just want you to know, hear it from me. You are better than that. You have value. You have worth. And I just thought, man, as a father, I just wanted to pull life out of this guy. I didn't want to come and rebuke him. Now, at 30 years old, I would have been like, you want to go outside? I'll show what a preacher can do. I lay hands on you suddenly. I will, you know. But, but I just felt fatherly. My heart broke for this young man. And all it was was in that moment, he was trying to get approval from his friend. And his friend's trying to get approval from him. They're trying to get acceptance. Look what we do to this old guy. And, and to be honest, I had a backpack on because I had my work stuff in it. I probably looked pretty dorky, you know. It's hard to look cool with a, a work backpack. <laughs> But they thought they would get a rise out of each other, and they're giggling and having a good time and stuff. And I was upset, but man, the Lord just was like laying on my heart. This young man needs to know he's valuable. And, and here's the thing, I, I think you do too. Every single person in this room, the, 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 trying to prove oneself is the default mode of man's heart. Do you know that? Men don't miss that. Just listen. Trying to prove yourself. It's the default mode of our heart. We, we go through life trying to prove who we are. The problem with that so many times, I don't know if you're like me, I feel like an imposter. Am I alone in that? Anybody else in the room? You don't have to raise your hand. But there's just times, I mean, even in ministry, I can remember, man, it was probably 20, 25 years of ministry before I felt like, oh my gosh, I really am a pastor. You know, like, it, like I just felt like, I was a fraud for 20-some years, not because I was living anything unholy or worldly, or, or I, just, I just didn't feel like I was worth, didn't feel like God could use me, and God was. But when I put my head on the pillow at night, I thought, tomorrow I'll be gone. Pastor Blair, my pastor all those years, will realize what a joke Ross is, and will give it to somebody else. Does it make sense? Am I alone in that? Hmm. And so you kind of go with what psychologists will call the imposter syndrome. You're trying to prove yourself, but deep inside you doubt yourself. I'm going to give you the definition of imposter syndrome. A psychological occurrence in which people doubt their skills, their talents, or their accomplishments and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as frauds. Now listen, don't miss this part. Despite external evidence of their competence despite external evidence of their abilities, of their skills. It doesn't matter. At times in life, you feel like an imposter. And because of that, because of doubting ourselves, because of questioning ourselves, we have to kind of have this mindset as men. I'll show you who I am. As men, we have this mindset. I'll prove to you what I'm capable of. I'll prove to you I'm who my father says I am. Or who my father says I'm not, I'll prove. And so we set out to kill the imposter within. And it starts really young, guys. 
I don't know about y'all, when you're really little, at least for me in the neighborhood I grew up in, man, I'm just telling you right now, I had to prove my strength when I was little, and fighting was how I proved my strength. I fought so much as a little kid, I had like that Napoleon syndrome, you know what I mean? I did. I was not a big guy, but I would try to climb you. And again, the neighborhood I grew up in, I was kind of par for the course. You kind of had to stand your ground. And so I'm going to prove myself that I might be little, but I'm mighty. Man, that got me in trouble in my junior high and high school years. Yes, it did. You become a teenager, you try to prove yourselves by your accomplishments on the ball field or on the court. And there's nothing wrong with ball. There's nothing wrong with sport. There's nothing wrong with those things. But our identity so often in our teenage years can get so wrapped up in that. And if I can do this better, then I have value and I have worth. We grow up and now we try to prove ourselves as men in the gym or in our hobbies of interest. Maybe at work, we're trying to prove ourselves amongst our peers. Maybe in school, you're still trying to prove yourself amongst your peers. Maybe at home, you're trying to prove yourself in your home as a husband and as a father. And what it is, is we're trying to break the sense of feeling like an imposter. And we do that so often by comparison and contrast. I'm not an imposter, so I start to compare myself to prove that I have the goods, that I'm not what my brain is telling me I am. The problem with comparison, it seems always to serve to rob us. What happens with comparison when you're trying to get over that imposter syndrome, we come away not feeling like we measure up, or we get prideful by saying, well, I'm better than that husband. I'm better than that father. I'm a better man than that coworker. When on the inside, we still, it doesn't help that much. We still feel at times like an imposter. Like we need more acceptance. We need more approval. We need more proof. We say things like, well, I'm better than my father ever was. And you know, you, hopefully you are. I hope every generation gets better, amen? Better than my dad was. I'm a better provider than my dad. I'm not as angry as my dad. I'm this, that, you know, I hope so. But then on the flip side of that coin, I'll never measure up to the man that my father was. See how it can work either way? I'll never measure up to the man that my father was or the expectations of the man that he always hoped I would become. And all that just weighs on us. It just brings us down as men at times. But that, like I said, That whole idea is that's the condition of the heart. We want to prove ourselves that we are worthy of love. Men, we want to prove ourselves that we're good enough. We want to prove ourselves that we deserve respect, by gosh. We as men, we want to prove that that we deserve approval and acceptance by the people around us when the one that doesn't approve us and doesn't accept us most is the one that lays their head on your pillow. You. You see how the enemy can use this against us and cause us to have vain striving for so many things just so that we can try to feel accepted and approved. The enemy doesn't mind you doing good. He really doesn't. If you striving to do good is eating away at your soul, doesn't mind you doing good if you trying to do good he can make you feel like you're still never enough does that make sense i've said this for years if the enemy can't pull you out with gross sin 
you know? Hey, he looks at Brandon. I'm just going to use you. And, and you know what? Some, some hottie comes by. It don't matter because your hottie's sitting right beside you. I know. But some hottie comes by. And, you know, that's not going to happen. My heart is set on God. My heart is set on my wife. I get that. So if he can't pull Brandon out in sin, he'll make Brandon, he'll push him out with feeling condemned for whatever other reason. For feeling lack of approval, for feeling lack of acceptance, for feeling that imposter syndrome. And who am I to be used of God? And he'll just push him out of God's best. Does that make sense? And he's doing that with many of us men in here. Some of us in here, yes, he's trying to pull us out with sin. I get that. But others, that idea that you cannot be accepted or approved and you've got to strive to prove yourself, it is tearing your psyche, if you will, your heart, who you are at the core, it is tearing you into two. See, this striving causes us a world of internal frustrations. This striving causes a world of external actions that seems to only prove to ourselves even more the imposters that we perceive ourselves to be. That moment at Buffalo's was a defining moment in my life. I hope it was somewhat of a defining moment for that young kid. I hope he'll remember this older guy saying that you're better than that. I see quality in you. I see value in you. I hope he remembers that. But for me, it was a defining moment because Amy knows me and she knows when I used to jump out the car ready to fight anybody that was tailgating us. I had a children's pastor's kid in my car from First Baptist and a guy cut me off. She's in my car. I was so red with anger, I didn't even think about my reputation or anything. I jumped out the car, went over, smacked the guy's hood. Come on, can't you see I have kids in the car? You. And I used to always tell myself, at least I'm not cussing people. I'm better than that guy because he can't control his tongue. You know. Somebody cut Adelie off in front of Knights of King's Academy when she was in school. And I was in the car and she's driving. And I jump out and deal with a guy right in front of the school. That guy tried to hit me with this car. Come on, bring the car. Bring it. All five foot eight of me. Now I was 300 pounds in, so I was a little more of a presence, but still. Come on, this fat man will roll all over you. Not, not, that's weird. That don't. Do not sound like that, Jared. <laughs> oh, these guys take clips of my weird things, take them out of context, and they have a whole channel on our Slack communication called Pastor Ross Quotes. I have a feeling this one will be there. <laughs> that was about 10 years ago, because Addie's 26 and she was just driving, so that was about 10 years ago. And I'm not proud of that. At that time, I, I, I kind of was. At that time, I felt like, I'm the man. I still got it. I'm, I'm fierce. I'm not. And I know where that came from. You know, I, I come from a long line of fierce people. My grandmother at 92 years old was in the rest home. And a woman in the rest home started saying, Irma, I don't know why you press your pants and do your hair every day and press your shirt. I don't know why you do all that. Nobody cares. And my grandmother jumped on this woman's back and beat her to the ground. God bless her soul. Fierce people, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I guess somehow in my mind, I was kind of looking for approval from my dad, approval from my family that, that I'm not going to let nobody walk all over me. But all it did was just eat me 
eat me up. And I just want to tell you guys, if you feel like you're trying to prove yourself, you're trying to earn approval and acceptance, look at me, you're better than that. (laughs) You're better than that. Amen? Everybody just say, I'm better than that. And you may not even know why yet, but I'm going to show you why you're better than that. Amen? You're better than that. You just need somebody to tell you that. You just need your pastor to look right in your eyes and say, you are better than that. The vain striving that caused you to do stupid things, the vain striving that caused you to feel less and lack, all those things, you're better than that. And not only do you need your pastor to say it to you, I want the word of God to say it to us. Amen? So let's stand to our feet, everybody. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1, 2 through 8. Oh, this is good. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, do you catch that? It's just grace to you and peace. But I'm trying to get approval. I'm trying to get acceptance. I'm trying, I'm striving. Grace to you and peace. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We pray the prayer, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God already has everything for you. Who you are is already set in heaven. What you have is already set in heaven. What you will accomplish already set in heaven. And here it says that, that we are blessed spiritually in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as he chose us in him. Chose who? Yeah, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Well, I'm accepting or approved. I don't need to strive to live for God. No, I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ to himself. Do you hear that? To himself. I'm going to come back to that. Everybody say to oneself. He's adopted us to himself. Everybody say it one more time, to oneself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that. Man, you guys are on to me today. I'm going to come back to that. According to the good pleasure of his will. How many was raised up in church that God's a God that's good, but he probably ain't going to be good to you? You know what I mean? It's always what God's going to do to you and against you rather than what God wants to do with you and for you. Yeah, I think we've all been in that before. But it's the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us. Are you ready for this? accepted in the beloved there it is he has made us that's how we can start with grace to you and peace from god that's how we can start with that because we are accepted in the beloved we can walk in grace and we can walk in peace father over the next few minutes place this truth deeply in our hearts i pray jesus in your name amen you can have your seat we'll go on verse seven in him we have redemption Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now, I want to go back up to that verse 6, because I think that's the key for what we're talking about today. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Say, accepted in the beloved. Yeah, yeah. See, that right there blows our minds. That he can look at us and choose to accept us. Choose all those times, eons past, to destine us or predestine us for his sonship, to be adopted sons 
than heirs of heaven. I mean, all that heaven holds in Christ for you. But when the amazing, unmerited grace of God is presented to people, one of three things happens, all right? And so find yourself in these, all right? Find yourself. That amazing thought of grace that's unmerited, that no matter what I've done in the past, what I'm experiencing right now, that God's grace is sufficient. That amazing unmerited, that means that you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to qualify for it. That amazing grace, three things happen. Some, number one, assume they're beyond God's love, and they turn away. They're beyond God's love, and they turn away. Some of your past will play into that. Maybe some of the experiences you had with your own father will play into that. I'm beyond God's love. And you turn away. The second thing, others think it's too good to be true. There's just no way. It's just too good to be true. And then number three, others are stunned that the God of the universe would know the worst about them and love them still. I want you to be those. Amen? That he would know the worst about us. You know, a lot of times on Father's Day, and I've done this, we come in here and we preach, Tom, be a better daddy. Tom, be a better husband. Tom, I was going to say make more babies, but you just did. <laughs> Pastor Stephanie's in the house, amen. With, I love this, with little Oliver James Robinson, OJ. I, I, I'm going to call him Juice the rest of his life. Be like, hey, Jews, come to Paul Paul Pastor. Come on. Uh, I love that she, she, she has her kids call me Paul Paul Pastor. I think it's so sweet. Uh, yeah, no, I just want to be stunned at the fact that, that he loves me in spite of all those things. And, and I want you to feel that. And I'm not here as your pastor today to tell you who you aren't. I'm here to tell you who you are. And you are accepted in the beloved. Hmm. For these that believe this, that you can own this, God the Father's love takes root in our hearts and we're transformed by the power of the Spirit of God from the inside out. Not just from external things, but from the inside out. Because he's made us, when we realize that, accepted in the beloved. I told you that idea of acceptance and approval are huge. Listen, acceptance and approval makes a huge impact on self-identity. There's people in this room right now that you went through a whole lot of stuff as you struggle with acceptance and approval, it shaped your identity. The good news about the gospel of Christ is this. Not only does he forgive us, guess what he does? He gives us a new identity. I think I've told you that before. What's pastor's tattoo all about? Is it because I'm rebellious? No. Do I look like a guy that has a tattoo? Not really. Kind of dorky. But it's, it's, I will smack you. I'll go 10 years old school on you, like 10 years past. I, I'll tell you right now, hate him. No, it says old things pass away and all things become new. That's what the two banners say because that's life change. Amen? You have a new identity through Christ Jesus. You're not helpless and you're not an imposter. No matter how much we lie to ourselves, no, you are God's beloved son. And God has made all things new, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you because of that. And at times you may feel like you have to fake it till you make it, but no, your Heavenly Father has said you already are accepted in the beloved. 
You're already blessed going in and blessed coming out. You're already the the head and not the tail. You're already above and not beneath. Amen? You're already the righteousness of God. You're already the seed of Abraham, meaning that all the promises of Abraham come down through Jesus to you. You're already the apple of God's eye. Amen? You may have been the scorn of your dad's look, but you're the apple of God's eye. Amen? You have a new identity because you're in Christ. You're in the beloved. You are accepted in Christ. You're accepted in the beloved. And all those blessings, it says, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in the beloved. And you've been accepted. Amen? And so I just want to say because of that, because you're accepting the beloved, you're better than that. All those doubts that the enemy brings, all the things that causes us to want to vain and like have vain striving, you're better than that already. It's who you are. It's how the Father sees you. Just like me seeing that young man, I can see the quality in him, just wanting that Father to call it forth out of him, rather than some old fat white guy looking at him, coming down on him, but have a dad call it forth. And your Father wants to call the best out of you today. Amen. But pastor, man, I struggle. I know I'm not saying you don't. But I'm saying that mindset, I'm an imposter because I'm struggling. But I really want to serve the Lord, but I'm struggling. The enemy would love to use that and call you an imposter and say, why even try? And God's here to tell you today how he sees you. He sees you as accepted in the beloved. Amen? Already. We say already. Yeah, yeah. You may feel like you have to prove yourself to your earthly father or prove yourself to your family or your friends or your coworkers, but you are already accepted in the beloved. Now, I told you I was going to talk about that, 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 that idea of to oneself. The root of the word accepted, I'm not going to try to say it in Latin. I think it was, ex- I'm not going to try it. But I I didn't realize this. The root means to take something to oneself. That's what it means. So when it says you're accepted in the beloved, it means the Father says, because of Jesus' work in your life, I'm taking you to myself. You're my son, my adopted son. I've chosen you. I've got two boys. I didn't get to choose. They were thrust upon me. I love them. But God's looking at you, and he takes you to himself. Now, all jokes aside... I can remember when Grant was born, that little red-headed boy. Oh, my gosh. I got these dark girls that come out, and then here comes this little ruddy-faced, red-headed boy, you know? Looks a lot like his granddaddy, like Amy's dad, and looks a lot like one of my great-grandfathers. But he comes out, and guess what? When he was born, it changed everything. He was my son, and I took him to myself. And I can remember, I mean, you might joke with me, we had two girls. And when that little guy came out and I saw his schmeckle, I'm just going to be honest, I started speaking in tongues. I did. I didn't even realize I did. I didn't even realize it was on video. I was like, whoo, schmeckle, whoo, hallelujah. And I was excited. Not that I love my girls. I love my girls. But here comes a boy. And I took him to myself. And he's still my boy. And you know what? There's times he makes some really stupid bonehead decisions. But he's my boy. And Tuesday night, I'm going to a punk rock concert with him. I am. I'm ready. (laughs) Woo! 
I'm, I'm ready to mosh. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. That's my boy. <laughs> and when you gave your life to Jesus, men, you became a son of God. He accepted you. He took you to himself. God the Father took you to himself instantly. And he looked at you and he said, you're accepted. You're better than that. That's not all the lies that were over you. You're better than that. But you used to be this or used to be that. No, you're better. God's like, oh, he's a new creature in Jesus. You're better than that. The drunk, no, you're better than that. The addict, no, you're better than that. The, the, the person that's violent, no, you're better than that. The cheat, the one that would, would do wrong on his taxes, the one that, whatever it is, God's like, no, you're better than that. And it's not like God coming to me and like, I can't believe you, you filthy. No, he's like, no, you're my son with spiritual blessings in heaven in Christ Jesus for you. You have a new identity. You represent me. It's me and you and the earth, and you're better than that. That's not who you are anymore. But the enemy would love to make us think it is. And he doesn't matter if he pulls us out with sin or pushes us out with that imposter syndrome. As long as we just discount ourselves from God's best, we miss God's best. And God's looking at you saying, you are better than that. Amen? That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. You are accepted. You're better than that. Better than the sins you struggle with. Better than the accomplishments you strive for. Doesn't matter how many accomplishments, you always want one more. I'm telling you, you're better than that. Amen? Better than the identity you project when on the inside you feel like a fraud that could be exposed at any time. You are better than that. And the reason isn't because of you, it's because of Jesus. He paid a price. It started with grace and peace to you. And it ended that passage with beloved, accepted in the beloved. And so that grace that comes has a price. There is a price to pay for grace. The reason why is the pain of sin demands a costly price. Yes, your sins, the sins of Adam and every man from Adam to now, those sins demand a costly price. Those sins separate us from God. But Jesus, we know, shed his blood on the cross so that we could become accepted in the beloved. And then I look at my life and I go, yeah, but this is who I really am. No, the blood of God, of Jesus, has changed who you are. And I'm better than that. I'm not going to lie on myself anymore. You guys realize there's so many Sundays I get done preaching. And I'll go home and I'll tell Amy, oh, that sucked. That sucked. And one day... She looks at me, and she goes, stop talking about my pastor that way. I'm like, you got a different pastor? <laughs> no, she's like, it hurts me. I hear the Holy Spirit speak through you, and God touches me, and I learn from you. And then you come home, and you're down and depressed and upset and believe in some lie. It hurts me when you talk about my pastor that way. I'm like, your pastor must be pretty awesome. You should sleep with your pastor. <laughs> Nobody's coming back. I'm sorry. It's Father's Day. It's, it's Father's Day. <laughs> we all know how children are made. It's Father's Day. So there is a price to be paid for grace, but Jesus paid the price. Amen? 
He paid the price. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I read that earlier. I wanted to read it again. I want to read it one more time. I'm going to read it in the message. Listen to the message. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. Mm, Come on, man. Yeah. You're accepted in the beloved. As a kid, I'm going to be honest with you, as a kid, I was a total mess up. It was like I had two lives, okay? And it wasn't because I was a hypocrite, but I, w- I was a mess up at school. I-, I could never keep my mouth shut. I was always in trouble. Again, I was always fighting. I was kicked out of Christian school in fourth grade for fighting. You can't punch a teacher's kid in the face with her 50 yards away, maybe less than that, and stay in school, apparently. But he was trying to make me eat a rock, and he was two years older, and he looked at me and looked at his mom and looked at me and said, you can't do anything about it. Pow! <laughs> and, and no more school. <clears throat> I, I, I got time. I don't know if I've ever told this part. That was fourth grade. I go to public school where I just learned to fight even more. In high school, I get to go to another Christian school in town. My junior year of high school, we had a little nerdy kid in school. And I remember how it was to get picked on. And man, I told a few of the guys picking on him, you touch him, I'll touch you. You smack him, I'll smack you. You kick him, I'll kick you. Leave Danny alone. And the kid, the teacher left the room, and Danny's in the front, and I was back here, and this kid walks by and smacks Danny in the back of the head. And that Danny just put his head on the table. He didn't even look, he just went, he couldn't even say anything. He just started weeping. And so I jumped up, and you got to remember, I think I was 5'6", 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, when I graduated high school. I grew after school a little, not much more. And so this kid was like, this, he was big. And man, I got up there and shoved him up against the blackboard. And teacher's still out of class. And I told you what I was going to do to you and blah, blah, blah. Teacher walks in, Ross Wiseman. And I look at her. And I look at him. And he looks at her. And he looks at me. And it was just like, you can't do it. That was, I could just see it. And I looked at her and I was like, bam. <laughs> My dad did teach me one thing. You punch a man straight in the nose. A lot of times the fight's just over. It just takes, takes a lot of the gumption out of you. And so, man, she, get to the office. I got in trouble. I go in. The principal's just like, I know how they treat Danny. And listen, you go back. Act like you were crying. We're good. Danny in the bathroom after class, he, he comes up. I'm going to the, go to the restroom. And he's like, oh, Ross, thank you. You stood up for me. I'm like, We're in the bathroom, dude. Don't, don't hug me in here. What's wrong with you? You want to hear the funniest part of that story? It was years later when I realized that teacher, all those years later, was married to the brother of the boy that I punched in the face in front of his mama, who was a teacher, 10 years before that. And I got to thinking one day, I thought, I wonder if that was ever something at Thanksgiving table. 
I remember this kid looking at this, me right in the eyes as a teacher and punched this kid right in the face. What was his name? Ross Wiseman. Oh my gosh, he punched me too. <laughs> I told you, I'm not lying. I mean, I would, I was, I would, I loved to scrap as a kid. I really did. I really did. <laughs> oh, where are we at? Oh, so as a kid, I was messed up. I was always in trouble. But here's what's weird. At school, I was always in trouble. But at church, I wasn't. And it wasn't because I was being a hypocrite, okay? At school, it was, Ross, stop talking. Ross, you're stupid. Ross this, Ross that. Ross, stop hitting people, you know. But at church, it was Ross, talk. And at 10 years old, I led a Bible, I led a, a weekly Sunday school class for kindergartners. At 10 years old, kindergartner boys, at 10 years old. That's when I started my ministry, if you will. And I'd study, I'd get my little Bible out, I'd read, I'd study. I'd, I'd be prepared, I'd go in and teach the class. I played bass at church. All the things, the, the, the church aunts and the church mamas, they would speak who I was, not who I wasn't. And the more I heard who I was, the more I wanted to rise up and be who they said I was. Does that make sense? And at school, I could do no wrong. I couldn't sit still. If you ever see me over here when Pastor Brantley or anybody preaches, do you ever see me taking notes? constantly. Because if I don't sit there and write almost every word that they say, I will hear something that they say, and I'm out of this room. My brain, I'm gone. I am writing three sermons by the time he's done. Like my brain just, so I got to keep notes. I got to keep my mind here. Keep focused. I don't want to look disrespectful. I want to know what Brantley's saying. I don't want to go daydream. But in school, man, it was hard. And it never got better. I'll be honest. I, I have teachers, even my high school teachers, like, good Lord, I can't believe God used you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I messed up and it just made me want to mess up all the more. And at church, it was like, you can be all things in Christ Jesus. And I believed it, you know? And I excelled in every area outside of school, in sports and in work and in, in dating, every area. But at school, man, I could not win to save my life. I had in-school suspension, lunchtime suspension, my last day of high school. I didn't go. I literally, the teacher that gave it to me, I said, do you really want me coming back next year? Because she goes, you won't graduate if you don't show up at that lunch. No, I'm going, to, I'm going with the seniors to lunch. And you, you don't want me back. And I knew she didn't. Do you know Amy and I's fifth anniversary we went to Olive Garden? Yeah, because I roll like that. <laughs> and we go to pay the bill, and it was paid for. And it was that teacher, my senior teacher. Aww. Yeah, yeah. The one that I wrote on the board that day, parting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> Not. <laughs> she was our English teacher. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm going to finish up. Let's get some more word in us, because I think it's the word. It's those words over our life that causes us to realize who we are in Jesus. It was the words over my life from those church mamas and, and daddies and aunts and uncles at church that caused me to, to just pursue at a better level the things that God knew I could do and accomplish. And so let's get some word in us. Every single father in here is both a father and a son, every one of you. And in reading this passage, it speaks to me both as a father and a son, as a man and a child. In 1 John 2, 12-13, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. 
Will you receive that? I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. See, in knowing who the father is, it establishes one's identity. It establishes your sonship. For me, my dad was fierce and faithful. Now, his fierceness needed to be in check, and the Holy Spirit did that in his life when I was younger, and I saw him get in check with that anger, but he was still fierce, and he was faithful, and that fierceness and that faithfulness shaped who I am, amen? It says, I, I write to you because you know the Father. You're not going to know the Father and who he is if you're not in his word, if you're not going after God. 1 John 2, 14, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. It's neat how he, this is poetic. He just kind of repeats himself because you know him who is from the beginning. You know him. You know he's trustworthy. You may not trust yourself, but you can trust the father, amen? It goes on. I write to you young men because you're strong. I'm not. Yes, you are. And the word of God abides in you. You're taking on that new word over your life, not the lie of yourself speaking those words of imposterism. You're taking on the word of what God says about you. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome. Everybody say, I have. Yeah, you have overcome the evil one. Do you realize as I close, even Jesus needed to hear the word of the Father before he began his ministry? Isn't that crazy? Even Jesus. You remember his baptism? This is my beloved son who brings me great joy. Or in whom I'm well pleased, some translations say. Do you hear that? Jesus needed to hear from his Father that word. So do we. Because of the grace of God, you're accepted in the beloved. And he says, this is my beloved Son. That, that acceptance of his own Son is so beautiful. And he speaks it forth. And he says that he brings me great joy. I want you men to say this with me. Say, I am God's beloved Son. And I bring him great joy. I'm going to say it one more time. I am God's beloved son, and I bring him great joy. Amen. See, by being accepted in the beloved, does that mean that we can just do whatever we want to do? No, no, it doesn't. No, it just means that when God the Father looks at you, he sees who you are at the core and speaks over you saying you're better than that. Out of that place of approval then, and that place of acceptance, we should strive to live up to how the Father already views us. I'm the beloved of God, and I bring God great joy. Ooh, I want to live up to that. You know, John the Beloved was the one that wrote this. That's what they called him, because he was the beloved disciple of Jesus, the one that, that would be close to Jesus' heart. And John the Beloved was not headstrong, nor was he weak. Here's what John the Beloved was. He didn't take that love from God and say, well, I can do whatever I want. No, he took it, and he became teachable. Because men, as disciples, that's what we should be. From that place of being loved so deeply by Jesus, he followed the teachings of Jesus fully. And when faced with adversity, he remained faithful. And that's the challenge to us as well. It just comes from a different place of motivation. Not that I'm not enough, but that I've already walked in the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because I'm accepted in the beloved. He finishes with this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So we can see there's a challenge to keep living holy. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so he finishes with all this grace talk, but then he gives us a challenge to do right. 
And so I want you to do right. I just don't want you to do right because you don't feel like you're good enough, that you're an imposter. No, do right because that's who God sees you. He looks at you and says, you're better than that already. Amen? See, see when your I am's are clear and strong, your I do's will fall in line. Okay, when you know who you am, right, your am, I am's, when you know who you are, your I need to do these things. It just begins to fall in line. I'm going to say it one more time. When your I am's are clear and strong, your I do's will soon fall in line. And what does the word say about you? And we close with this. And I'm not going to take, take you to all these scriptures. I just want you to hear this over your life. And then you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv, look up the notes, okay? And, and get the notes for this sermon and all these scriptures will be in there. And go meditate on this until you stop thinking you're an imposter. Until you start to own who he says you are. Amen? And when you own who he says you are, all the doing starts to follow the knowing. It does. So what the word says about you, it says you're an overcomer. Amen? It says you're a new creature in Christ. It says you're saved by God's great grace. It says you're totally forgiven. (laughs) I love it. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a partaker in the divine nature. You're a child of God, an adopted son. And I love this, the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus said that. I know you love me and I know you love them as much as you love me. Ah, you got to see it in John 17. Ooh, so good. And so I just want us to close by saying this one more time. Say, I am God's beloved. Or, yeah, I'm God's beloved son. And I bring him great joy. Let's say it one more time. I'm God's beloved son. And I bring him great joy. Close your eyes just for a moment. Father, I thank you for these men, Lord. I just ask that you allow them to feel a blessing today from you, from your presence, Lord God, that they would walk out of this place with a confidence they haven't had in a long time. If there's men here today that need a relationship with you, Jesus, and they they know they're not where they're supposed to be, Lord, allow them to have that boldness to come speak to one of us pastors today as we hang out a little after church. Allow them to look to you and repent of their sins and ask you to come into their lives, Lord God, and begin to walk after you and become for themselves one that is the accepted and the beloved. We ask for this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.